0: The Holy Gospel, according to John, the 14th chapter. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't mention this at my welcome, I don't think, but it is uh, Pentecost today. It's the Festival of Pentecost, one of the major festivals of the church season. Um, Here in our sanctuary, Pentecost is marked by the stained glass panel on the front wall here furthest to the left, the blue background with the 12 flames of fire, which is part of what is described in that passage from Acts. Uh, Pentecost is also known among those who do readings during church as perhaps the most difficult reading of the entire church here. So, Linnea, where are you? Where'd you go? Is she not in? Oh, she's back here. Well done, Linnea. Nice job. Um, so, I want, today I want to talk about um, two basic things. I want to talk a little bit about the, the festival of Pentecost historically. Uh, put it in some kind of context. It was originally a Jewish festival, uh, and of course now uh, Christians uh, use it as a Christian festival as well, but I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about one reason that I think we as Christians today in 2019 can look to this festival and use it as a way to help us reflect and think about how we live out our lives of faith. So let's start with the historical context. Um, Pentecost is one of three Pilgrimage festivals among the ancient Jews. And so, what that means is that it's one of the three festivals where Jews from all around the region would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem where they would worship at the temple. All of those festivals, by the way, are connected to the story of the exodus of the Hebrew people uh, being freed from slavery in Egypt and making their way to the promised land. So, the first of them is Passover, which marks the actual departure. Uh, from Egypt uh, led by Moses with God's uh, guidance and grace uh, beginning that journey, so Passover is the first, Pentecost is the second Pentecost is just simply a Greek word that means 50th as in 5-0 and it is called that because it it marks the 50th day after Passover when uh, Moses gave the Hebrew people the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai so that's the second one The third one is a festival called tabernacles, or booths, or or tents, which is a reminder of how the Hebrew people stayed for 40 years in the wilderness and lived in tabernacles, or or booths. So that's the context we find ourselves in today in this reading from Acts. We have uh, people celebrating this festival of Pentecost, which means Jews from around the region have come to Jerusalem They speak different languages, they have different cultures, um, and in that place, uh, what does it say at the top of your bulletin um, on the cover, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. That's the pull quote at the very top of the bulletin. So that means the disciples, but it means a whole lot of other people, other Jewish people who'd made this pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And... As we heard in Acts, the, the, the sort of the miracle, the mystery of this day, 50 days now after Passover and therefore 50 days after the first or after the event of Easter, the disciples are, are speaking and all these people from a variety of, of cultures and, and regions and countries, which are really hard to read for us today, are understanding them, uh, understanding the disciples in their own language. And at that moment, Peter, uh, sort of the the lead disciple, recognizes, oh, something profoundly important is happening here. Uh, I need to say a word. I need to help people understand what's happening. I need to explain it in the context of the ministry, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, very importantly, I want you to note this and mark it because I'll come back to it. I do not believe that Peter had been back at his house preparing a sermon. This is widely considered the first Christian sermon, by the way, that we read, that Linnea read in in Acts. I don't think Peter was back at home preparing a sermon. I think instead this event happens, and Peter again recognizes it, sees the opportunity, and feels a responsibility as a, a follower of Jesus to say a word. Uh, again, he doesn't have notes in his back pocket. He just starts talking about what has happened. Okay, so that's an important point. The other important point I want to make about this moment for the disciples is I want to just lift up again something we've talked about before, but comparing the behavior of the disciples after Easter with the disciples before Easter is one of the most important ways that we get a glimpse at the dynamic power of the Easter event. What were the disciples doing and thinking and feeling before Easter, after Jesus had been killed? How do they feel? (laughs) Anyone? How about scared, afraid, right? Everything that we read about the disciples before Easter is that they're worried about themselves. They're cowering. Right, they're concerned about their safety. They're locked behind closed doors. They're afraid. Right now, Easter happens, and Jesus makes himself. Uh, he appears to them in a variety of ways over a number of weeks. And now here we are, 50 days later at Pentecost. And where are the disciples now? They're not locked behind closed doors. They seem no longer to be particularly concerned about their own safety. They're out in the streets. They're talking to people. And Peter is speaking very publicly about this person named Jesus. No longer worried about his own safety. No longer worried about whether he may be embarrassed by what he's going to say. No longer worried even if he might be injured or arrested or beaten or even killed. Easter has freed the disciples, from their fear, from their cowering, from their closed, behind-closed-doors kind of worries, and has sent them out into the world. No longer worried about themselves, but instead preoccupied with sharing that message of Jesus and Jesus' love. And I think, again, comparing those uh, perspectives or the outlooks of the disciples right before Easter and what happens after is a really important thing for us as Christians to look at as we think about what Easter actually means and how it changes people. All right, so that's a little of the historical context of Pentecost, both in in terms of sort of the Old Testament festival, how it's celebrated by the disciples, and that ends up turning it into a very important Christian festival, sometimes called the birthday of the church because of the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, Why does that matter to us? We could probably talk about this in a lot of ways, but I want to lift up one specific thing that has to do with this idea of language, right? And so in that passage from Acts, we're told again that all these people from all around the region heard the disciples speaking in their own language, which meant those visitors to Jerusalem uh, listened to the disciples, and I'm assuming they thought, among other things, huh, they're speaking my language. They must know something about where I come from. They must know something about my history. They must know something about my culture, which allowed them, the listeners, to lean in and trust what the disciples were saying. Now, I want to make a sort of similar point for us today as followers of Jesus, as Christians, and I want to talk here about language not in terms of English or French, or Spanish, or Greek, or Russian, or Portuguese, or whatever. I'm assuming most of us primarily speak English. I want to talk instead about language in terms of that idea of trusted relationships. And I want you to think in your own lives about the people you know, associates, colleagues, neighbors, friends, um, family members, who you know deeply and intimately and well, who you have a shared relationship, a shared history with, where there's maybe even, uh, you know, you've got language, but then you've got sort of depth of language, and maybe there's even sort of body language that both of you can almost read one another's minds, right? You know each other so well, you could say you have your own special language. You with me so far? Anyone? Yes. Yes. All right, good. With those people, I want to suggest that we as Christians are called to be like Peter in a couple of ways. Peter, remember, I don't, I don't think he prepared his sermon. I think he observed what was happening. He was paying attention to what was happening, and he realized, I've got to say something about this. And I would like to challenge and invite all of you to do the same thing in your lives with people you know who trust you with whom you have a shared language, I'd like you to pay attention to moments when you might notice that those people need what we have to offer here, thanks to the love and the grace of God. I'm talking about things like community and healing and forgiveness and purpose and a sense of belonging. Those important to any of you? They're important to me, and I, I think people are desperate in our world for those things. And I think it's our job when we see people we know and who we love and who we have a shared language with and we recognize a need in them, I think it's incumbent on us. I think it's our responsibility to say a word to them about the fact that they can find those things here. Now, what makes us scared? about opening our mouth at moments like that. I think part of it is we think, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I didn't, I didn't bring my talking points. I don't have my sermon with me, right? And again, I wanna to suggest today of all days, we should take a cue from Peter, who also, I don't believe, had notes, had a sermon, but spoke into that moment with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we believe, as I do, that the Holy Spirit is alive and well today. That I also believe that when we look around ourselves, look at our lives, look at the people in our lives, and we take a risk and are vulnerable enough to face maybe embarrassment or ridicule or rejection by saying a word to those people about a God who loves them, if we are willing to step into that moment, I believe that that same Holy Spirit will give us the words to say. So let's pray for that now, shall we? Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, on this Pentecost, we give thanks for the giving of the Holy Spirit to the first disciples. We give thanks for their courage and the courage of Peter to speak into that moment about the grace and love of your Son, Jesus. I pray that here and now, in this place, You will open our eyes and our ears to opportunities for us to look around for people in our lives who are looking for all that you have to offer. Help us to see the need and help give us the courage to speak into it as well. And give us the words to say. And all this we pray, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.